This is a Soulfire production. You're listening to the Simply Be Podcast, episode number 233. Well, hello, my beautiful, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Simply Be Podcast. This is the last episode of the month of March, if you're listening to this, at least in March of 2023. If you're new to the show, welcome. This is going to be new to you. If you're not new, you know what I'm about to say. Each and every month, we choose a theme here on the podcast, an intention, a focus, a topic of conversation to really use to dive deeper into every solo I share on the show, as well as all of the interviews that I'm so blessed to have. And we are talking about trusting the process in March. And I couldn't think of a more poignant guest to bring on in a more poignant conversation for a very poignant topic than my guest today, Ruby Warrington. You know, this is not a conversation that I have ever had publicly. My journey with being a mom or not. And it's a loaded, loaded conversation. And it is an emotional conversation. And if you listen to today's episode in full, you will hear me and Ruby actually get very emotional together. And as the CEO of a company, I am the CEO of Simply Be Agency, you know, really fast, hyper growth, personal branding agency located in Chicago, Nashville. The author of a book called Be, the host of this podcast, you know, basically a career driven entrepreneur since, you know, for the last 15 years. Much of my platform is obviously talking about personal branding and marketing and entrepreneurship. And obviously we talk a lot about spirituality and empowerment and authenticity and light codes and all of the beautiful things I share on this show. But I've never talked really this honestly and vulnerably about motherhood. And I think that being an entrepreneur, being a woman who has ambitions and a lot of sovereignty and dominion over her own life, the conversation of children is complex for all of us, whether we decide to have children and we are currently mothers and mothering and raising families, or we are wanting to raise a family, but we can't, we're on the fence, we don't know or if we're definitively a no, and it's just not going to be how we choose to use our life force in this particular lifetime. It's just a broad spectrum. And Ruby Warrington coins this, the motherhood spectrum in her incredible, incredible new book, Women Without Kids, The Revolutionary Rise of an Unsung Sisterhood. I want to be really open with my community before we tap into this conversation with Ruby. For the last few years, you know, I'm like nervous (laughs) talking about this. I don't even know where to really start, but you know, Simply Be, I started Simply Be at 35. I got married at 33. I'm in a serious relationship. Many of you know this with my amazing husband, Brian. We'll, We'll be together 11 years in May and married for eight and a half. And kids was something we always, since day one, both of us were like on the fence about like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Like we weren't in a place when we met where kids were on the brain. It was really more about finding love 
was on the brain and, you know, we were both, we are both very professionally driven and ambitious. And then around the age of 35, Simply B exploded and in ways I would have never predicted. And I birthed a business and started to grow a team and then birthed a book. And my life has just been so full with creating from that place of a female leader, a female professional and kids was always on the back burner. Like not really at all. Uh, I had a block. I've had a block around this topic and I've never been able to definitively say out loud, I don't want children. If I say that, that's not fully true. But I've never been able to definitively say, I do want children. That's also not true or fully true. And I've shared this a little bit on my podcast, especially in the last couple of months, uh, most recently on my eight essential rituals for joy. And part of that episode, I shared just how I'm working on my root and my womb and just really feeling safe in my own body and connecting to those parts of, yes, my energy body, but also my anatomy. And this work started to happen towards the end of 2022. And I saw a psychic healer, um, medium, who I've seen many times in a row now every year, kind of like my annual reading before the year starts. And she's very accurate. She's able to to share the most minute details about ancestors and loved ones who've passed. And she's just very tapped into the spirit world. And in my reading with her in December of 2022, she asked me at the end of the session, if kids were on my brain, like, what's your, what's your, what is your thoughts around children? And I was like, well, it's funny you ask. I, I mean, I've never been able to say, I, I kind of have a blank. It's very neutral when that question comes up, I can't say a hard yes or no. And she shared with me in that session that there was a spirit baby that she could feel circling around me and that it was a little girl. And I've always known that if I ever have a baby, I would have a little girl. And so getting that information didn't scare me at all. It really actually opened up my heart. And I thought about it for obviously days and days. I cried about it. And I still think about it. Obviously, I'm still talking about it. And then a couple of days after that session, actually on the first of the year on January 1, I did an angel card pulling and I pulled the first card I pulled on that day was the card daughter. And then the second card I pulled was divine mother. And you just can't ignore those things. You know what I mean? You can't ignore those things. And yet this is still a part of my life that I lack clarity and conviction around. I know a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's not a community of, of women who are at least out loud pondering whether to live a life as a woman without kids and what the not implications of that actually are, but what the opportunities of that are. And if I do decide to have kids, you know, that path is equally as valid as if I don't. And just the complexities and the nuances of this singular choice to bear children as especially women of the modern day who are professionally ambitious, who are independent, who are empowered, which is my audience. 
I felt so honored and proud and emotional and excited and deeply grateful and super real-time relevantly just grateful that Ruby came onto my show and we could have this type of conversation out loud. Her work is so important. Her book is, I think, just going to really open up this narrative in a way that hasn't yet been done. And she's really a truth teller and just an amazing writer in that way. So I just wanted to share that for context and let you know that I'm still dancing in the gray. I'm still dancing in the question mark and know that, you know, no matter what I choose to do, as Ruby and I say at the very end of this episode, all paths are equally valid. This is such a powerful conversation. Such a powerful conversation. And I really, really hope you listen to the whole thing to the end because it just gets deeper and deeper as we go. So briefly about Ruby Warrington, if you don't know who she is, she is a British-born author, editor, podcaster, the founder of The Numinous Books. She's been recognized as a true thought leader, which she is. She has just such a unique ability to identify issues that are destined to become a part of the cultural narrative. Her previous books include Material Girl, Mystical World, Sober Curious, which I loved and also changed my life, The Sober Curious Reset, and her work has been featured in The New York Times, The Guardian, Good Morning America. She lives in Miami with her partner and she's releasing her new book, Women Without Kids, today. So all of the places that you can get engaged with her work, buy her book, will be in the show notes. I highly, highly encourage you to pick this up, support a female author. This book, as she describes, is, is for all women, whether you have born children or not, and the full spectrum of motherhood and just poses big, deep, deeply powerful conversations that actually prick the core of our humanity not just our journey as women who are with or without kids. So without further ado, here is probably one of my most favorite and powerful episodes I've ever had the honor to share with the incredible Ruby Warrington. I want to just start by reading off a quote Mm. from the book that is my first question to you. It's a question you posed in your journalistic (laughs) tone but I really want to start here and I want to hear directly from you. So how did this binary view of motherhood that's either a natural celebratory yes or a selfish dysfunctional no come to be? And what happens when we begin to acknowledge the nuance that exists in between? So I want to start our conversation there. Right. Well, it's interesting talking about this book coming after Sober Curious this actually the thinking around this this appears in chapter one which is titled the motherhood spectrum and it presents a groundbreaking theory (laughs) that rather than motherhood being every woman's natural rightful role and in fact biological imperative any one individual is going to be more or less suited to the vocation of parenthood based on a multitude of factors that influence their life. And that that might change at different points in their life as well. So I turned this, coined this term, the motherhood spectrum to just break apart that binary. You're either doing your duty, get ticking all the right boxes. You're a, a celebratory yes to motherhood, 
or you're a dysfunctional, sad, lonely, bound to regret it, no, right? Which has been as somebody who never felt drawn to motherhood, but, and we might get into this, but questioned my own inner knowing around that deeply throughout my twenties and thirties. And it was only really kind of age 42, 43, that that started to really ebb away. And I was able to just find some peace within myself around it. Um, but yeah, I'd always felt like I was at that sad, dysfunctional outsider, something, honestly, something wrong with you, end of the spectrum, right? Yes. And so for me, bringing the same thinking that I applied to alcohol with Sober Curious, you're either a problem drinker or a normal drinker, when actually, no, all drinking can be problem drinking in various ways, you know? Yes. Um, I applied that to this concept of motherhood, you know, which has been so... Um, unexamined actually incredibly up until very recently I mean it has like you know second wave feminism there was a lot of conversation around like was motherhood women's only role etc etc and even though from the kind of 1960s onwards um women were allowed to question or at least to pursue alternative and additional paths to motherhood, it still has been yes. very much expected that eventually this is what you will do because you were compelled to do it, you know? Right. And so for anyone right. who's, who's, who's even questioned it, let alone come to a place of, I don't want to do that, that can bring a lot of self-doubt, a lot of shame, a lot of expectation, prejudice, and judgment on behalf of others. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's a great place to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks for that. Of course. No, thank, thank you for that. I, one of the things that came to me as I was reading the book, you know, you, you posed it somewhere, but it, it's, it made me think, and I've done this in my own spiritual, you know, personal growth, childhood trauma, healing, going deep into my sort of mother wound and ancestral lineage. And my friend said this recently, I am my grandmother's greatest dream the fact that we have these freedoms, we have the choice to live a purpose, vote, work a job, all of these beautiful opportunities we have as women that our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers and our great-great-grandmothers fought for, whether consciously or unconsciously, to have these liberties in the world. What what a blessing it is to be a woman right now. And yet that cultural expectation of bearing children is still so deeply woven into the paradigm. And mm-hmm. you've really, you've really challenged that in a way that says, if I don't choose to have a child, that doesn't make me, I'm going to use your words, a selfish cunt. <laughs> this this <laughs> yes. makes which I want to totally talk about. Thank you for the tote. <laughs> thank you for the tote bag, by the way. But um, I, I'm like so excited to rock that. But that makes us um imp- empowered just as our grandmothers wanted us to be. Right. I mean, how, how big of a conversation is that? So just wanting to reflect that back based on what I, what I read. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you've hit the nail on the head. It's sort of like, let's as, as women fight for, to have all of these limited, I mean, ultimately, like, honestly, that was about to fight to have the same rights and opportunities as men. Like it's been about gender equality, the, the feminist Correct. sort of mission. Right. And then when we pursue those things, And along the way, we forget or forego or don't have time, energy, resource to also be a mother, then we've done something wrong. Even though the opportunity 
to pursue those things has been the whole kind of point of the feminist movement to date. I will say to date, because I think that feminism is evolving necessarily so in all sorts of other yeah. things, all sorts of ways. And I'll also just, you know, want to point out that not every, not all women in the world have the choices that we have. And that that fight, even for Definitely. basic equal rights with men is still far from one in many countries around the world. So yeah, yeah it's a, it's you. a, it's something we can still keep talking about, you know? Yeah, we definitely do. And I want to equip women who are listening. Many of my audience is women, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the language, with the understanding, with the confidence, with the self-reflection that they're allowed to, to even reflect on this topic in the first place, right? Which is really what you've posed, but you said something that resonated with me just a minute ago, because I'm 41 now myself. Mm. And you said that you had this sort of oscillation in your twenties and thirties of, is there something wrong with me? Do I really want this? Can I even articulate if what I want? And now you've come to this place where you are, obviously you wrote a whole book about it, but really standing in this choice. And I think there's still a lot of women who are oscillating that, you know, kind of need to kind of navigate now. And, right. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear more personally from you, Ruby, what your personal journey looked like in getting to this. What did that feel like? What did that look like in you getting to this clear, convicted stance of you will, will be a woman without kids? Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to say, and I, and I posit this in that first opening chapter, rather than there being something wrong with you for questioning whether you want to be a mother, I would argue that it would be unusual not to question it in this day and age, given how hard, given A, given A, all the other things that we could be doing with our lives and given B, how hard it is to be a mom. Like anyone turning on any news channel during COVID, especially, you know, it's just like being a mother is really, really challenging. Um, for a lot of structural reasons, you know, if we had free healthcare, if we had free childcare, if we had paid parental leave, if we had shorter working weeks and higher wages for caregiving professions, it would kind of be easier to be a mom. And so anybody who's considering taking the leap into parenthood to not be weighing up those kind of doing a sort of cost benefit analysis, I suppose, on this, let's not forget irreversible decision that you're making about your life and how your life is going to play out. Um, I would find that more unusual actually to not be, to not be questioning it, you know? Um, So I think, yeah, for anyone who's questioning, you know, who's wondering, does this mean there's something wrong with you? No, of course you are. You're an intelligent human being weighing up your options about whether to embark on this journey, which you know, there's no, you can't like have a kid and then send it back to the store if you decide that this is not for you. So of course it's the biggest <laughs> possible decision you could make, right? Yeah. Yeah. Take your time. Um, yeah. So there's that. And I suppose, yeah, I mentioned that it was, I mean, honestly, it was when other people stopped asking me why I didn't want to be a mother, that I stopped asking myself. And it made me realize how much of the questioning had actually been intern. It, I'd sort of internalized everybody else's questioning of my decision, of my path. I've always been perfectly satisfied and content to live the incredibly, I hate the word, but like blessed life that I have. You know, I'm so fortunate to have had a life where I've been able to get the education I want, live in the countries I want, pursue the kind of career I want. How wonderful. And I'm so grateful I get to live that life. And nothing feels like it's missing. 
you know? Um, yes. And I also recognize that that is, that's my specific path. There might be people who have all of that and do feel there's something missing. Is this all there is? Would this, would having a child bring me more fulfillment? And then weighing that against those challenges that I mentioned, I can imagine that that's, yeah, really um, a really tough place to be. And I think, you know, there's a whole chapter further along in the book, which you'll get to, where I just talk about like the value of, of really kind of accepting that we're never going to get everything we want, you know, mm-hmm. we're just never going to get everything we want. Could we be happy with what we've got, you know? And if we're really not happy with what we've got, then what might we need to change in order to have the things that we really want, you know? That's a big, big conversation. And yes. I, that's what I love. I know what I love about your work <laughs> is it like poses so much more than just like the topic at hand. You know, when mm-hmm. I read Sober Curious, you know, it was, it was like, what am I really running from by making alcohol such a huge part of my life? It wasn't really about the drink. It was about Jessica's shadows and, mm. you know, insecurities and inability and discomfort and sitting in my, my reality at the time. Right. Mm. And being um, different, you know, if I t- chose not to drink, like just so much more comes up. Right. And then this question that you, you just pose, it doesn't, if you're a mother of children listening or you're not like what, what you just said, Ruby is such a big, beautiful question. Like what happens if I don't get everything I want in life? And, mm-hmm. and I really resonated with what you just said about people projecting questions onto you. And when they, that stopped happening, you stopped asking yourself. And right. I hadn't actually ever articulated it that way before, but yeah, that's, that's what it felt like. Yeah. It was kind of but like, Oh, no one's interested anymore. Oh, now I can breathe and just like settle and be me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's huge. And I know that women who like myself, I'll just speak for myself, but I know that I'm not alone. And I know there's going to be so many women who read your book who feel less alone too. Um, I get those questions. I'm still at that age. I mean, not that I'm young, but I'm, my clock's ticking. Right. And Mm. I, I get, I've gotten projections. I've gotten judgments like from women in my circle or like mm-hmm. who look at me like I'm an alien because I haven't mm-hmm. had a baby yet. I had my dad, God bless him. But I had my dad take me out to breakfast. He didn't tell me what he wanted. And my dad's not the kind of guy who just wants to make plans with me out of nowhere. He, right. he called me up over the summer. He's like, can we meet this weekend and have breakfast? And I was like, what's, I had it's no happened. idea what he was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I knew it was going to be a big, like, I felt like it was going to be grave. I didn't know what it was going to be. And he wanted to talk to me about why I hadn't had kids yet. And he hadn't talked to me about that since I got married. But I think my dad has been watching the years go by me getting older. Brian and I have been together for eight years now. And he really, I mean, I haven't shared this publicly with anybody, but I share with you, I really got into my head Mm-hmm. you know, because of like some of random acquaintance looks at me funny, like at a cocktail party is like, why aren't you having babies weirdo mm-hmm. when you, versus your father sitting you down and saying, well, I just don't want you to regret it when you're older and you have moved on from your passionate career. What else are you going to do? You're going to be lonely. Like he said, all of these things that wow. haunted me kind of, you know? And, yeah. and so I'm just, I guess asking for myself as much as the audience, like how do you really stand in your sovereignty around this topic and take care of yourself in the midst of that kind of 
projection and expectation. Yeah, that's so, that's tough. Thanks for sharing that because I'm sure that many people will have experienced that from one or both parent or other family members or in-laws or, yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, I'm sure he was sharing that from a place of love. Like he really just wants yes. you to have the best, happiest life that you could possibly have. And if anything, it's a reflection on how much joy he gets from having children himself, you know, like that's beautiful. So he wasn't meaning to hurt you. And the regret, the regret one, especially I spoke to a sociologist who described that very thing. You'll, you'll regret this when you're older as a politicized use of emotion, because it's so coercive, even if it's not intentional, it's so coercive because it really is. It's a threat. Really. You will regret this. You will regret it, you know? Um, And so I think, yeah, it's really hard not to take all of that on board. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to write this book, honestly, because and the, the subhead really speaks to this, the revolutionary rise of an unsung sisterhood. It can be so hard to find community of other women who are experiencing this because we are still in, I think it's changing rapidly. We are still often the outliers, maybe the only one or the only one of a couple of people in our community or in our family. It's really hard not to feel like the outsider or the other because we kind of are in those situations. And I really wanted to create spaces, even if they're just online spaces where people mm. could come together and just talk about these things. And yeah, I, I just, there's so much value to be found in community. community. You know, it's one of the reasons why 12 step groups work for recovery because people need spaces where they can go and talk about these extra, I'll say extraordinary, but like extraordinary circumstances they find themselves in which can be so lonely and othering and actually in community you may hear other people who've experienced that same thing you may hear people reflect back to you what I just did this was said he didn't mean to hurt you I can understand how fear fearful that might have made you feel and made you I can almost imagine you sort of like in your mind going ahead like 40 years what am I like am I sitting alone totally. in a nursing home because my husband died before I did and there's no one visiting me what I will tell you is that 60% of people in nursing homes never receive any visitors and probably the majority of those people have children so there's no guarantee first of all that having a child means you're going to have someone to look after you or even hang out with you when you're ancient you know in an ideal world of course that's the case but It's definitely not the case for everybody. And I think for me, contemplating the same fate, you know, my husband's three years older than me. Statistically, he will go before I do. Um, Writing this book and really writing out my feelings around that and my fears around that and getting very close to those fears has made me commit to really prioritizing my friendships and commit to investing in my friendships so that they become more like kinship, you know, so that my friends become more like family. So there's more than one person. I feel like I could call it 3am in an emergency, you know? Yeah. Um, and I just yeah. think that the more, um, more and more women are having fewer children, more and more women having fewer, like no children at all. This is a demographic shift. There are going to be more and more of us and we will need to find ways to support one one another as we age. And there's some of those kinds of initiatives are already starting to happen. There's an amazing group based out of the UK. And I, and I'm, I want to speak to her about, about bringing this here. She's starting. um, I think she calls them. 
I think it's called her Childless Elder Women Project. And she's starting to kind of form groups or relationships, sort of intergenerational groups and relationships between childless women. So there'll be women in their 80s, women in their 60s, women in their 40s who kind of know each other, know to look out for each other, just anticipating that we're gonna we're gonna need each other, you know, in ways that where we've had these very kind of, you know, this nuclear family model where you're supposed to be able to get all the support, care and nurturing that you need from that very close-knit family group, which, by the way, a lot of people don't experience that. Many people, their parents were divorced. They didn't experience that kind of closeness or support of having two parents in the same household. One in four U.S. adults is estranged from their parents. I mean, it's no family. What I discovered in my research, it's heartbreaking, is that family, biological family, is no guarantee of love, nurturing, support. It just isn't. That's the way the world is, sadly, sadly. And there are many factors that have influenced that. And I kind of dive into what they all are. But the fact is we need to start thinking about family differently and we need to start to think about community differently. And yeah, so yeah, part of the part of the goal of the book is to help start those conversations. And I love it. I love it so much. I'm like getting emotional. And we also we also need to think about uh the importance of our our lives differently, the legacy that we'll leave behind differently if we don't have children. And that was mm-hmm. really what I, I keep referring to your previous work, but what shine through in your first book, Material Girl Mystical World, about when without kids, Oprah Winfrey, you named a couple other really powerful, globally recognized women that don't children, but look what they've done for the world. And <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like and and thank God for it. Thank God they didn't consume themselves raising a family so that they had the the space and power to impact on a, on a scale like that, the world to make it a better place, to make it a more loving, conscious, inclusive place. Mm. And so that we shouldn't take for granted just because we don't bear children. As you were talking about sisterhood and how we look after each other and what we make of our lives. And like when we die and pass on, or when we get older, who's going to take care of us? It's like, what's, what have we left behind? What's the legacy we're leaving behind with the fingerprints we've, we've made here with our lifetimes and that there's still so much potential and value as women to use our time here on planet earth to birth ideas, to birth books, to birth community, you know, and you've really just struck a a powerful conversation that I I don't see happening as out loud as it Mm. should be. Mm. And I think we have it in our small inner circles, but one thing I, and I saw you do this so beautifully with the sober curious, like you created conversations out loud, you created events, you created communities, established formal conversations so that this didn't feel so weird to not mm. drink. Right. Mm. So that it doesn't feel so weird to not have children. And I just, I'm just, again, just a champion for it all. I, I it, it has become a, a sigh of relief to come across your work. Mm. It's good to hear. And it's interesting, like a couple of things in, in terms of what you were saying about, you know, all the other things that women can do. First of all, <laughs> I don't want anyone who's listening to feel like they have, they have to be the next Oprah Winfrey because they're not having kids. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. It's okay Retweet. to just like live your life, do you, work on your own healing, like just live a good life, you know? Retweet, and, definitely. And 
And if not having children does give you more time to put into your creative pursuits, to put into your activism, to put into your political pursuits, to put into your business, then fabulous. And really think, yes, really think about how can, I had this conversation with someone the other day. I was like, it's about how, it's, it's about how we direct our life force. We all embody life force energy, right? I can feel it in me now. Even my court talking, I can feel like the tingles of it in me. And for women, what we do with our life force is we put it into another being and we push that being out into the world <laughs> and then we nurture and care for it so that it can grow up and use its life force, the life force we have given it. And I guess I'm, I like thinking about how can I use my life force in other ways? You know, how, what can I put it into that's going to, in some way, be beneficial? There's a whole chat, like the, the last chapter of the book is called An Other Legacy. And it talks about this concept of generativity, which um, it's one of the stage, seven life stages defined by a sociologist called um, Eric Erickson in the 1950s. And this is the life stage that's from around age 40 to around age 60. And he defines this as the stage for generativity, which is where we ask ourselves, how can I make my life count? And generativity, even back in the 1950s, was not confined to and it was all about how can I make my life count in service of the future generations was not confined to being a biological parent. You know, it was always about all of the other ways that we can contribute in some way that's going to have a positive impact on future generations. And that could be, there's a term that I think you might really relate to that, that was used in relation to that. And that's cultural parent, which I really, really like and cultural parenting can refer to any kind of actions where we're in some way helping guide and shape the culture with our work, with our actions, with the conversations we're having, with the ways we're showing up in the world. And I, I can relate to that. And I think probably yeah. most write, writers and, you know, small business owners will be able to relate to that kind of archetype. Yes. Um, but I really like thinking about that. Yeah. You know, one thing I loved about your book as you are shaping the chapters and explaining just the way the book, you know, you, you story told throughout is you created these new terms, like these cultural kind of phrases that I hope go viral. And I'm sure they will <laughs> once the book hits the market. But I just want to kind of start with the the one that you actually wanted to title oh, the book around. Yeah, yeah. Let's go there. <laughs> Let's go there. <laughs> it really made me smile. And Good. I feel proud of you that you went for that in the first place. Uh, you were, well, why don't you tell it? You didn't want to title yeah. the book women without yeah. kids. So, um, when I first had the idea for the book, the title just like literally landed in my vision. It was like in front of my vision in like neon pink. And then a few seconds later, the idea for what the book was showed up, but the title was selfish cunt, <laughs> which I mean, the double, there's a double, there's a really powerful double meaning there, right? Selfish cunt is often like the, the most damning pejorative that's used for women without kids is you're selfish. It is selfish totally. not to dedicate your life to the raising and nurturing of your children. It is selfish. Beyond that, and I've been thinking about this a lot, it's selfish not to gift the, the gift of life to another human being. It is selfish mm -hmm. to be a woman without kids. It is therefore selfish not to do that with your cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> totally. The layers. But I kind layers. of, but the, the layer, but the, you know, it's, it's, um, 
it's a reclamation of both of those words in a way. Cause I make the point in the introduction, like isn't being selfish with our cunts, like literally what the whole feminist movement has been about, you know, isn't this what gender equality has been about? Like, yes, it's my absolute right to do whatever I want with my body. My body is not for violation by anybody, be it, you know, another human being, a political ideology. It's like, this is, yeah, it's my body, my choice, you know? And so it was kind of a, an up you to um, any kind of system, human ideology that tells us what to do with that part of our bodies, basically. But no, I shied away from using it as the actual title of the book because you can imagine, I mean, it was up to the wire. It was up to the wire. I really, part of me just really wanted to go with it. Diana, the our editor at Sounds True, open loves it. She loves it. But we decided that from a marketing perspective, it would limit the audience because there are going to be people and there are possibly people listening. And I, I apologize if you're deeply offended by this. I didn't even mean to laugh then because I really do. I, some people are really offended by that word. And um, which, again, is is problematic, actually, because it's just a word to describe a part of the female body, like a very much politicized, policed and violated part of the female body. So I do think we, we need to reclaim the word. Um but yeah, it, I think it would have put a lot of people off who might otherwise benefit from reading the book, but I couldn't resist putting it in there still. <laughs> you started it with Sisterhood of the Selfish Cunts. Yes, exactly. And the intro. Yes. That's great. This podcast is going to come out the day the book hits the market. Amazing. Of course. And, you know, there's going to be women who don't have kids who hear this, who are on the spectrum of maybe one day I want them. Maybe I'm trying and I can't have them. Mm. And then there are women like you who are just very clear they they're never going to have them and and are um, you know not really having that conversation out loud. So, what do you want? Because that's a wide spectrum of women, right? Yeah. What What are you really hoping for? You know, women to really take away, like at its core, from this book because there's it speaks to many women at various yeah. stages. Yeah. Hence motherhood spectrum. Like I really wanted this to be as inclusive as possible. You know, this book is for anybody who identifies as a woman without kids, right? Um, regardless of your reasons for not being a mother. And so I think if anything, the core message is I want for it to be as, as valid to be a non-mother as it is to be a mother, regardless of your reasons for that you know I just want for it to be it's not even like normalized and I'm definitely not encouraging anyone not to have children if you want to have children I would I would love to dream a world where it's much easier for people to have the children they want whether it's financially whether it's based a community whether it's about finding easier ways for people to have a work-life like a work home balance or whatever but um I'm definitely not saying, hey, having not having kids is great. Like everyone should be a woman without kids. That is not you're not saying that. The message. No, it's not the message of the book. No. Um, this is about really, again, just really saying, let's make this path equally valid to not even minimize, but eradicate the shame, the othering, the self-doubt that people feel around being a woman without kids. Like, regardless of whether it's a conscious choice or it's um something that has been, you know, you've had a little pain around the fact you can't have kids, people will experience shame because it's so other, you know? 
there is something wrong with me. There's either something wrong with me because I don't want that thing, or there's something wrong with me because I can't do that thing, you know? So let's yes. just eradicate all of the something wrong with me and all of the shame that comes with that. The better, not least, just to be able to have empathy for each other's choices. I'm, yes. Okay. So, yes, I always knew I didn't want to have children. And I knew that I didn't want to have a, a kind of a, a family like that. Right. And that comes from a, a painful place on my side of not really having been raised in a close, nurturing, cozy family where family felt like the safest, warmest, most nurturing place to be. So there's pain for me within that confident choice not to have children. It comes actually from quite a painful place for somebody who desperately wants to recreate that loving, warm, nurturing family that they were raised in. There's pain in that when they aren't able to do that. And right. everything in between, right? And so I just want to, yeah, the more we can talk about the reasons for finding ourselves in this circumstance, the better we can understand each other, the better we can, yes, support each other as and when needed, you know? I'm I'm sorry, I'm crying. I know. Um, it's just really um, significant to be having this conversation with you right now because I'm very much on the fence. Yeah. And I actually had, um, I was going to probably speak about this in my intro to this episode, but I'll just tell mm -hmm. you, mm. I've been pretty much on like 90% not wanting kids. The last six years of my life, my business blew up. Everything has been career driven and I love my marriage and we have all this freedom and it's just been a, a kind of an unconscious but clear lifestyle choice, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then I had a reading with a medium at the beginning of the year who told me that I had a spirit baby. Um, like, and she's never wrong. I've seen her for years and something has been shifting in my, I've been doing a lot of root healing. So mm -hmm. my womb and my root is, is opening. I'm getting more connected, grounded. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm healing my nervous system really through this work. And, um, she told me that I had a spirit baby, a little girl. I've always known in the wildest fantasy, if I ever had a child, it would be a girl. Then a couple of days later, I pulled an angel card and it was daughter, you know, it's like yeah. things like that. So it's been yeah. on my heart, like these last few months. And the reason why I'm crying, um, because of something you specifically said, which is just that no matter what you choose to do, your life is equally as valid. Right. And so. Right. Whether I choose to have this child or I don't, so I'm very much on the fence. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't make a difference of how valid my life will be. Yeah. And it's just a, such a healing, healing message that you're bringing with this book. And that's from my heart. Mm -hmm. And so I just yeah. wanted to share that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing it. And I think that will be transmitted to people who are listening as well. It's so heartfelt and it's, you're making me cry now. <laughs> so I'm sorry. But it's like, yes. I mean, like I had no idea how this book would be received. I know this is an incredibly emotional and loaded topic that has so much baggage, like generations of baggage attached to it for most people, right? Stuff that we're so not even aware of in our consciousness now connected to our mothers, our grandmothers and their mothers, you know? Um, and so hearing hearing things like this. These are some of the first interviews I've done around it. It's just very, um, 
heartwarming. Heartwarming is the wrong word. I just, I'm relieved that it's being received in the, the in the way that I wanted, I intended it to be, you know, yeah. my intention is, yeah. is really just to, to help people understand exactly that. Whatever, whatever the outcome, whatever the outcome is, you are valid. It's okay. Some people might be let down. Some people might be hurt. You might be hurt, but you're okay. You know, this is your life. You only get one shot. (laughs) And this is not a subject, a choice decision to be made lightly. It just isn't, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't really aware of this when I used to hear it all the time, but I used to hear it all the time. And it's on, on reflection, looking back, I'm just like, whoa, people would always say to me, oh, no one ever feels ready to have a kid. No one ever feels ready. You're never ready. And I look back and I think, I know so many people who felt so ready. Like this is exactly the right time. They felt completely 100% on board. They'd been planning it even for years. And it was like, oh, interesting. (laughs) Some people really feel ready. Some people don't. And it's okay to to be questioning that, you know? And if, and this is the, you know, the... The kind of unfairness of nature is that women do have a biological clock, like that the decision will be made for you at some point if you don't make that decision. Right. Right. And so that in itself brings so much extra anxiety and pressure. And I think with things like IVF and and egg freezing, that decision has been kind of pushed down the road a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then also I do think, you know, uh, with an increased focus on health and wellness, people are going to be living much longer and possibly fertility will be extended longer too. Although that said, we're equally seeing fertility rates drop off massively in men and women due to environmental factors, largely plastics in our food and yeah. water supply. It's having a huge impact. Sperm counts have halved in the past four decades. And again, that's interesting, right? Because so often the fertility issues are blamed on the woman, but like sperm is pretty low quality these days, sadly. Yeah. And this is a man-made problem, you know? And I think about that often just on that point about bringing a baby into this world and just how fucked up it is. Like like school shootings, like global warming, like just the AI, you know, like... I, do I really want to bring a child into this world that is, so yeah. I get that it's the greatest love you'll ever know, I guess is what they say, but it's also like really um, probably the greatest heartbreak and fear you'll ever Absolutely. feel by introducing a life into a, a planet that is unsafe on a lot of levels. And I, you know, the, tr- like the social media, the technology, my nephews who are six and seven, like all they want to look at is my, at my Instagram. It's like, it, it just scares me so much. Mm. The idea that's also a huge factor mm-hmm. as to what has prevented me and what you're bringing up around the state of our world, our planet, it, it, the ripple effect of it. And you're just yeah. bringing such a, a light to it, Ruby, really you are. Mm. And I remember when you told me you were writing this book, I think we exchanged emails about something like a year ago. And I was like, I cannot wait for her to publish that book. <laughs> and and I'm genuine and now you know why. And yes. you um you've just really done it and I just want to thank you for it. One couple of things I'll say. Human beings have always thought the world is going to pieces <laughs> throughout history. Yeah. 
people have <laughs> always so thought true. the future is doomed. We're doomed. And they've always still had babies. <laughs> It's just that what's different this time around, what's been different in the past 50 years impacting your and my generation specifically, is that women have the choice. Women have actually had the choice not only to stop ourselves from becoming pregnant, to terminate pregnancies safely and legally, a choice which is no longer available in many places and which isn't available around the world, and to pursue education and careers where we can have financial material independence. This is a, this is new. This is very new for womankind. And so I think that's why we're seeing a steeper drop off in the birth rate now. People have always been freaking out about like the state of the world, but I agree. We are living in particularly tumultuous times and technology. If anything, technology just has just made us more aware of it. I was thinking this this morning, I went for, I didn't sleep very well last night and I went for a swim just to kind of like clear my head. And I was just like, God, I feel like information is almost as addictive as alcohol. And you just like with alcohol, you can have too much information, you know, too much information Mm -hmm. can spin you the fuck out, you know? Totally. Totally. Um, And so, yeah, that was sort of an interesting thing to be thinking about in terms of the times that we're living in now and the specific kind of challenges we're facing that are impacting people's thinking about whether or not to have children. But the climate thing is obviously incredibly real. And for Gen Z's particularly like that's, I think we're going to see a huge drop off in the birth rate amongst the Gen Z generation because, you know, we're we're supposedly on the brink of climate collapse. And so, yeah, yeah, that's I just can't even imagine how it must feel to be like 20, 25 and contemplating bringing a child into the world at this moment. Well, I have a lot of those folks who work for me and my company right. and kids are not on their their mind. They They actually want to help heal the planet. They right. want to help bring down right. the climate change. They want right. to create a more loving and inclusive world right. where people have better there's rights. A part, there's a part in the book where I'm like, what if we just need to take a pause? We just need to pause on the procreation for a bit, fix some stuff up, get the world looking nice again. It's almost like fix up the nursery, pause yeah. for a few, pause for like two, three generations, fix it all up, get it looking good. And then we can like, okay, on with, with the babies again. <laughs> There's a lot of, there's a lot of merit to that, Ruby. There's a lot of things that need fixing that take some time. Right. right. Yeah. Well, speaking of this sea of information, you know, I, mm. I actually just um, went to Marion Williamson is running for president. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, um, I was actually just having a conversation the other day. I was like, I wonder if she'll do that again. I know she was kind of burnt out the last time, but I'm so yeah. happy to hear she's going for it again. Mm-hmm. Yes. She's back in the game. Oh, I'm, I'm yes. become friends, friends with her. She's a dear, dear friend now. And I went to her um, announcement in DC and it was last Saturday. It was just profound to be there. Like a cosmic light channeled into that room and we were all blasted. It was wild. but. She said, this is a world drowning in in information Mm. and starving for knowledge and Mm. understanding. Mm. And I just want to just want to thank you, like genuinely from my heart, which I know you can feel today um, for writing this book, because it is coming at a moment where there is not a lot of true knowledge and information about this particular conversation. Mm. And Mm you're really meeting a moment with this book and, and I really wish the highest success for you. 
um, you know, not just to sell all the copies, which you will, but to really touch all the lives that this book needs to, to reach. And I just want to, you know, in closing, just say thank you for coming on my show today. It was an honor to have you. Um, hashtag fangirl and let my audience hear hear directly from you um about this book because this is just relevant you know to me as the host of the show but to, to hear directly from you is just a gift and um i want to ask you one last question mm -hmm. and then at the very end i want you to shout out where everyone can go yeah learn about you and find the book and all the things but my last question formal question is um you know i think i asked this to you last time it's the same question i ask all my guests because it's the name of my podcast and it's two words that mean a lot to me but they have layers the words simply be mm -hmm. and i would love to know what those words mean to you right now oh gosh i wonder what i said last time <laughs> simply be I mean, we're speaking two and a half weeks before my book comes out and I've got all the anxieties. Is this going to find its readers? Is this going to, are people going to hate it? Are people going to love it? Um, all that sort of stuff. How are my parents going to feel about being out in the world? Because they were, you know, there was some confronting stuff in that I had to work through with them, the manuscript. Um, am I going to be able to, you know, hold everybody's stuff around this like it's a lot um and for me today that simply be message is like so helpful actually just it's happening it's happening like this is this is the moment when a book kind of is like it's a it's a birthing moment right it's gonna have its own life now and I can caretake it to the best of my ability but it's gonna have its own life and who knows what that will be and so I think for me right now I'm just doing this with my hands it's like a take your hands off the wheel moment and just breathe and simply be so thanks I needed that today as well you're welcome I'm rooting for you every step of the way where can people find you where can people find the book so um I'm on I am on Instagram currently I take long breaks but I'm in that launch phase. And I'm excited about putting this work out into the world. So I'm on Instagram at Ruby Warrington. Um, my website is rubywarrington.com. There's going to be an in-person women without kids retreat at Kripalu in Massachusetts in the middle of June. So information about that is on the events page on my website. If people want to come find community and actually have some of these conversations in person with other women without kids, that's going to be an incredible, I've been already like, oh. <laughs> Oh, that's going to be fantastic. Um, so yeah, those are, those are my places. Anyone who's in New York, I've got a launch event on the 29th, March 29th at Strand Books. So you can try and snag a ticket for that and come and hear me and Rachel Cargill speaking about being women without kids. Amazing. Well, Ruby, thank you for coming on my show. I'm, I'm just Again, thank you for all the books you've put into the world. They've they personally have touched my life and changed my life. And this is gonna be no different. And again, just in your corner and personally impacted by your words and just happy to have you in my orbit. And everyone go buy her book. We're gonna leave a link in the show notes. Go follow her on Instagram, support female authors, buy buy the book. It's so it's so amazingly important especially if it resonates with you and i think i don't think i know it will so thank you again for being here well thanks for having me 